1: Hello and welcome to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. I am Dr. Virdra Jackson, the CEO and creative behind Living Strong Consulting. As a leadership development and team development organization, one of our um, pillars of service is supporting leaders in their growth. And tonight's guest has a unique perspective, passion, and she literally is a renaissance woman. <laughs> so let me tell you a little bit about Shaniqua M. Pannell. She is a mom, a wife, homeschool teacher, advocate, activist, philanthropist, mentor, coach, writer, entertainer, and entrepreneur yes, as I said, a Renaissance woman. (laughs) She's originally from New York City. She is the president and CEO of We Get to Give Incorporated, a 501c3 nonprofit organization dedicated to helping Black adolescent girls navigate and thrive within complex social systems. And I am excited specifically for our conversation because when I promoted her topic, it is an opportunity for us to talk to leaders. And if you think that does not include you because you don't have the corner office or the platform, well, you're wrong. One of my favorite quotes from John Maxwell that Actually, shifted my entire paradigm as a human being is that leadership is influence. Nothing more, nothing less. And so it's not about your title. It's about your influence and the power that comes with that influence. Any influence you have, you are leading with it. And how self-aware you are of it will directly impact your effectiveness as a leader. How connected, relevant, purposeful, and open you are as an influence on others is your power base, regardless of your title, your position, or your name on the door. And let me continue to share with you why we have asked Shaniqua Pennell to share her background, her passion, her journey, and her leadership with us today, specifically for you. Yes, you. I'm identifying you as a leader in your sphere of influence Shaniqua holds a Master of Science degree in Industrial Organizational Psychology from Walden University and a Bachelor of Science in Marketing with a minor in Journalism from the University of Maryland. She resides in Maryland where she advocates with Strong Schools Maryland as a County Captain of Prince George's County, for children's rights to an equitable educational experience. She is a fierce champion against domestic abuse, workplace abuse, child trafficking, and physical and sexual abuse perpetuated against minors. She is a member of the American Psychological Association, National Alliance on Mental Illness, and the National Society of Leadership and Success. She is also a proud co-founder, founding member of MD7 chapter of Go On Girl Book Club. Well, I'm excited to dive into this conversation with this powerful leader, Shaniqua. How are you? And welcome to the show. We have lost connection with Shaniqua. All right, well, as we wait for Shaniqua to log back in, let's talk a little bit about her. Um, She has a very powerful quote that um, connects with my philosophy around supporting and working with young people and her passion for serving Adolescence from not only a physical place, but a social, psychological, and emotionally healthy place. I want to share with you her quote, one of her quotes that she shared in her bio. And it's my ministry is helping children of color navigate their way through this tricky world around the paradigms set up to thwart their success. I hope to shed light on dark spaces and circumstances that impede the mental health of these youth. And we're getting ready to go into May, which is Mental Health Awareness Month. And Shaniqua, I would love for you to help us understand where does your passion for serving marginalized youth come from?
2: First of all, thank you for having me. Secondly, the devil is a liar. Uh, (laughs) How we just got disconnected and how I reconnected was the lord himself. That's a <laughs> story for another day. We oh, will my not goodness. be defeated, right? Oh, we will not. I was in <laughs> panic quick mode. So, <laughs> oh, got to be ready, got to stay ready. Long story short, is um my passion for what the work I do is is oh gosh, it's 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 a variation of passions, but it mm-hmm. mostly stemmed from my own background as a young black girl but it really was catapulted by my daughter Jacqueline Mm. she's okay with me saying her name but it really was um just seeing the trauma and things that she was exposed to in her elementary school just really pushed me to want to advocate for her and for mm-hmm. other girls, for her friends and other people that were being targeted. And once I looked at data and saw that this is not in my head, because sometimes you think, oh, I'm being a mother bear and maybe, but I had a background where I can research. I'm a research scientist. I can study and find out. And I was just like, wow, I grew up thinking it, some of it was in my head because nobody told me this is real and Mm -hmm. this is systemic and this is affecting us. And we don't even have the money to have mental health care and the things that we need to heal what's happening. So it just empowered me to just say, how can I help?
1: Yeah. It's really powerful when a parent recognizes that their voice has power for them to be an advocate for their children. And actually what I love about that particular quote is that you're not only saying that you will be an advocate and stand in the the empty spaces of um, disparity, disproportionality, as well as marginalization, like you will stand in that gap for your children, but the power of this quote is that you want to help them understand yeah. what's happening around them yes. so that they begin to have a voice to articulate well you know what there's more to me than the box you're trying to put me in and you it it sounds like you help them gain that language and that empowerment
2: I definitely try i definitely teach them to battle for themselves mm-hmm. and to have a voice and that it's okay. You know, um, especially being children, adults, mm-hmm. a lot of times, I know I was told to shut up, shut up, yeah. shut up yeah. in, in love, not even, you know, just because I was very talkative and <laughs> I have a five-year-old that talks just like me and I am inside my head going, shut it up. <laughs> <laughs> but you know I- what? <laughs> I'm older than you. I'm older than
1: you, but you know the whole concept that um, uh, the good children are the quiet children. Mm. You should be seen and not heard, mm-hmm. and that paradigm is absolutely shifting, and and it needs to shift when we help young people to gain the language over their hands to articulate their frustration their emotions that all of it is valid when they are able to express themselves in constructive as well as creative ways yes when we as adults then are willing to open our ears and actually hear mm-hmm. lean in and listen lean in and, and listen but i i feel like and you alluded to it a little bit that that level of Desire to make sure that children recognize their belonging comes from a personal place. So what would you say is, is where does your own story um, with this understanding or dare I say adversity, where does your own story start?
2: Yes, it definitely comes from a personal place. Um, It comes from my own trauma story which was rooted in a lot of pain and a lot of secrecy and me being a good girl my entire childhood. You know, I was a really good girl, um, adventurous and then loud and crazy and fun. But my mother will attest, because I've had her do that to my husband, tell him how good I was. (laughs) (laughs) Tell him these are his genes over there. But um, yeah, just... Staying in secret and shame from being sexually abused from the ages of five and six years old and not wanting to expose the people, the persons and not wanting my parents or my mom to go to jail because I knew how much she loved me. And I did, you know, and just being beyond my years and understanding things, engaging situations. I grew up in the Bronx, so we grow up fast there, you know, by seven. I was a little Mm-hmm. woman in my head because of the circumstances around me, not because I was the woman in my head. I played with Barbie mm-hmm. dolls. So I was 16. So there was definitely a child within, but I was definitely silent and silenced when I did start mm-hmm. speaking out. And mm-hmm. that was a little older. Um, and it wasn't constructive it was combative and it was angry and it was you know in ways that would make it me slapped <laughs> it was like you're being rude and you're be- mm-hmm. and there was no one to really dive in and say she's changing they just said she's smelling herself she's a teenager she's <laughs> and it's mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. you no know, nobody changes that drastically like something right. is happening and um But how do you know if you don't know, you know, we're in a great place. There's so much information now for people to help other people.
1: And, you know, you struck on a chord for me that actually is an has been an ongoing conversation that I've had in multiple places, but really beginning to understand the outburst of behavior and Um, Violent response um, Mm. behavior that uh, creates a lot of damage in response to not feeling heard, not feeling seen, not having a space to uh, express themselves or even being taught how to turn that pain into something purposeful not being given a platform. And when someone is in that kind of pain and pushed into places of shame, it will twist on itself, but it won't stay silent. Mm. And it will come out in some very destructive ways, but without the opportunity for leaders to recognize that we have a chance to create platforms and and I think about the other parts of your bio where you have used creative expression to really find voice in lots of different ways. I mean, you're a retired rapper um, (laughs) from the eclectic hip hop band um, Mm -hmm. and from London, the UK, former creative director of Guys and Gals magazine that launched in 2008 as an urban lifestyle brand and a former New York entertainment correspondent for Kinky D show and um, what is it Manny Norte show yes. yes. on BBC Radio so you it sounds like you found a way to tap into your creative voice even coming out of really dark places how important do you think that is as as adults now to allow young people to figure out a way, other than their hands or a weapon, to express the pain in a more positive, releasing, intentional way.
2: It's vital. Mm
1: -hmm. It's
2: absolutely vital to society as a whole. Mm -hmm. Um, I believe everyone needs a creative outlet and everybody needs a therapist. <laughs> that's that's my belief system. Um, you know, and then of course there's god and faith. And the, yes. you, you need to hold on to those three things. <laughs> um yeah, kids that's that's just what saved me was my Barbie mm-hmm. dolls. Mm. that creative energy. My boyfriend walked in one time and my siblings was dragging him to come and see, look, at she still plays with dolls. Like to just (laughs) laugh at me. It it was a joke. Like, are you crazy? What's Mm. wrong with you? Like, you know, I'm a lead teacher at a daycare at this point and I'm doing things and I have a lot of leadership things going on as a teenager and I play with dolls. That was a world that I found I could create. Mm. And I did. I created a whole different family. I love my family, don't get me wrong, but I wanted different people. The ones that I saw on TV that understood Mm -hmm. and took their child to therapy to get help. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. came in and said, I love you. You know, not stressed out Mm -hmm. and, and doing what... Yeah. We do what we have to do and we do the best we can. Yeah. And when you know better, you do better. And I just hope to help. That's one of the things I do with the nonprofit that I serve mm-hmm. is I'm bringing mothers and daughters together because it's important not only for the children to understand that there's liberation in um, not only them being heard, but in what what they're creative, you know go paint something go take all that energy and put it somewhere else look at me i'm from the pjs in the bronx new york and i made it to london uk and i had lead guitarists and lead um, i had band members that were from platinum groups brand new heavies more Chiba, that was like we want to be down with you and i was just like okay you know and i made it happen and and that it was a magical season but it was god saying your creative juices will take you far um but also you still have a lot of shedding to do yeah but stay creating stay playing playing mm-hmm. is important mm-hmm. i was actually on the board once for a group called um it was it was about play and and that's what you know i, I learned then about data with playing and mm-hmm. people in prison and if they're not allowed to have that outside time they fight more and then and, and they mm-hmm. And, and it just made sense. I was like, without mm-hmm. that time. And it saddens me that they take arts out of the schools now. Yeah. And it's like, no, you take, they take enjoyment. I found that with mm-hmm. my kids' school, they, they, it went from 45 minute lunch to be silent yeah. and no outside time if you speak during lunch. And it was like, right. what? These are six, seven, eight-year-olds. Why would you do that? Mm-hmm. So a,
1: yeah. yeah. It's a powerful opportunity and we're getting ready to take our first break, but some things that you just shared really hit my heart as I think about the, when we're talking about the mental health, the anxiety, the depression, the um, emotional place that children and adolescents are in right now, Mm -hmm. the amount of power So to be able to create those stories was an outlet to your power. You were creating and therefore able to be something beyond the pain. And and if we don't create spaces for children to gain power and voice, even in play, in their um, creative expression, in their games, the very thing that they need is as you shared, oftentimes the thing that is taken away, especially during times like this, Mm -hmm. when we recognize if there's ever been a time where they need space to run, play, connect, reconnect with one another in intentional ways, to create narratives, to play, to begin to recognize what um, creative spaces, how it can empower them, now is the time. So we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, I'd love for us to shift the conversation to begin to recognize as leaders, how do we play a role as influencers in in shaping and helping young people who are feeling marginalized and unseen? So I am excited about how uh, Living Strong has been able to connect with leaders, with women who are pursuing their purpose and their passion. And you have heard me talk about Girlfriend Gatherings, and we have our logo. If those of you who are in the Facebook community, you are seeing the first branded shirt for Girlfriend Mm -hmm. Gatherings. And- (laughs) We are having our third session, May 14th. If you have not connected with Girlfriend Gatherings yet, please visit livingstrongllc.com. Grab your in-person or your virtual seat. We are doing both to be able to support women all over to have accountability, connection, and walking in their purpose Mm -hmm. unapologetically. Grab your seat We want to make sure to see you on May 14th. So during this break, pop over to the website, grab your spot, and we'll be right back.
3: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. What if the most special part about you was not how you fit in, but how you stood out in a world that has never seen your kind of beauty? What if you could walk confidently in your God-given beauty, identity, and purpose? My name is Sandra Coates, and I am the founder and visionary of a movement called United and True. We want every woman to know that she is being transformed, she has been redeemed, and she is unique. I'm also and author of a newly released book called None Like Her. It is about awakening the beauty and the value that is within every woman. You see, it's time that we rise up through the confusion and the chaos and the comparison and the shame to know that there is nothing more we need to do to access the beauty that is within us. Please visit sandracoates.com for more information. It's your world.
0: Motivate, change, succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. This is Living Strong, the flip side of adversity with Dr. Virdra Jackson. To reach the live show today, call into 1-888-346-9141. That's one 346 9141 You may also send an email to info at Now back to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity.
1: Hello and welcome back. I've been having a powerful conversation with Shaniqua Pannell, and she is a renaissance woman she has been able to create a flip side story of moving through her childhood adversity and moving into spaces to empower others and i want to jump into the part of our conversation where we recognize that as leaders we have the ability to facilitate and support others, what would you say is um, the keys to overcoming adversity and reconciling your story as a leader to help others?
2: I would say my personal story and one that leads to my belief system for other leaders would be to have a foundation rooted in um, forgiveness.
1: Mm-hmm. I love it already.
2: Yes. A spiritual foundation is going to be key to get over yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, that's that's one. Mm-hmm. Um, my faith is is another. I call it a gifting. My hope. Mm-hmm because you need a lot of hope to get over a lot of adversity. It does not mine did not come easy. It took me a long time. What I felt was a long time, but you know, others are like that's normal, yeah. you know, yeah. but um mm-hmm. yeah, you 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 need to have your footing and and then of course, um as a leader, there is qualities we, we used to argue this in our scholarly circles whether it's it innate to leadership skills and qualities mm-hmm. is it you know yes you can be taught skills um you know you have a million people writing books you have coaches uh, that you're, you're a leadership coach yourself you, you want to instill things in leaders mm-hmm. that they may not have um but i still believe that your core is your core and I know for me, some of the things that I bring is just me. It's me from mm-hmm. who I always have been and whether that's compassionate or kind or, you know, empathetic, like these are things that leaders need to be. And unfortunately, I've heard leaders say, you know, oh, that, that's weak, you know, to be kind. It's, it's like it's a weakness. And, you know, you do. So you tell people what to do. You don't, you know, not ask. Mm-hmm. And I'm the type of leader that says, please, thank you. And will you? Yeah even though I know you will, but I'm just polite. (laughs) And some say I'm bossy, but, you know, (laughs) I'm I'm a little bit of both, but that's the balance. Um, But to get over your own adversity takes strength. It takes Mm -hmm. commitment. It takes willpower. And there's times that you may not think you have all of those, but you do, and you can see that in how you develop into being a leader. I -hmm. mean that's a privilege in itself. Um, And while we, we're in a place where people can be leaders through family hand downs and things like that. But I'm talking about the true leaders, (laughs) the ones that are healing and helping and pushing and making positive change. Um, It's a gift. It's not something that you should play with. So if you're not well, um, you should get yeah. well.
1: Yeah. You know what? There are two words that you shared in when I think about what you just said. There's a responsibility that we have in carrying that gift of leadership. I don't think I've had anyone call it a gift yet. <laughs> I think sometimes it's hard to think of it as a gift.
2: Yeah. But <laughs> it,
1: it really is that, you know, you've been... Whether it's at home, in the boardroom, in a classroom, regardless of where you are, Mm -hmm. you have the opportunity to impact others, which is a gift. And when you said to make sure that you are well as you carry this gift forward to others, two words I'd love for you to go back to. What relationship does forgiveness and hope have Mm -hmm. to one another?
2: Mm -hmm. Two
1: powerful words, I think, right now that are pivotal.
2: Mm -hmm. What relationship do they have to one another? Good Mm -hmm. question. Um, In hoping Mm -hmm. and in forgiving, Mm -hmm. I would think the relationship is sort of it's symbiotic in the sense that mm-hmm. you hope things are going to elevate you want them yeah. to be better and um to forgive yourself or others you're getting your mindset to that place of yeah advancement so that's mm.
1: I love that my version of that. the
2: relationship yeah I never I had to think that. about that though so thank you but I,
1: I completely see that picture that we cannot elevate to the next level of things weighted down by unforgiveness. It's mm-hmm. literally a shackle. So thank you for that. Because that image of forgiveness freeing us to move to the next levels that are associated with hope as we are able to walk into Um, the threshold, the openings of hope, that is tied to our ability to let go of what we feel have been the wrongs that have been done to us. We can't carry that forward and still talk about being hopeful. And that makes me think about what you just shared, that as leaders, as we're moving forward in a hope place, and I was on a call with a group um, the other day, and one of the conversations was, you know, people are losing hope right now mm-hmm. and, and therefore can't see how to move forward because there's, there's this lack of hope. When you talk about leaders being well, how, why is it so necessary for a leader to do the work on themselves so that they can walk out their their gift or their assignment.
2: Hmm. I have a good sentence for that. Um I'm gonna mess it up now, but it's it's uh broken people, break people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell the truth. Hurt people, Tell the truth. hurt people. It's it's yeah. literally that. Um yeah. If you're not well, then your give back, it could Mm -hmm. also lean into being superficial. It could also, it could be for you. It it could not be the gifting used properly. And, um, and there's too many biases that can come into play with others. So. I also, I have a lot of little belief systems. Um, Mm -hmm. This one I got from my mom. She's a great manager as well. And she always said, you know, great managers need great managers. You know, you need to be managed. You need to, and I believe in that, you know, I believe in accountability. I believe in coaching. I believe in people needing, allowing other people to tell them their stuff doesn't stink. (laughs) Mm -hmm. how they Mm -hmm. can improve, you know, I believe leaders should listen to their, the people that are following them and, and, Mm -hmm. you know, hear what they have to say and, and don't get offended, but really hear and then go to that accountability partner that can help elevate you. And that might be a therapist or, Mm -hmm. you know, some level of healing that is needed. Um, but it shouldn't be shameful yeah. to need that just because you're the President CEO or mm-hmm. you're the you know, the President of the United States, or <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it, it it does not matter because we are all human. And so we all need guidance at some yeah. point, at some point
1: that for me, connects back to what you said earlier, that as a leader, it's okay for us to have that human element, kindness, actually seeing people. Living Strong has a, a statement where when we come in to coach and support and train in organizations or schools, we desire to help places create safe, valued and heard spaces. Mm-hmm. Because if we are actively Within ourselves, identifying what helps me feel safe, valued, and heard, and I'm doing that work, I can then become intentional about doing the same thing yes. for others. And I, I'm curious how you have or would reflect on when someone's not doing that, how does it break down an organization? How does it? create or potentially create more damage?
2: Um, Bad leadership can destroy an organization for sure. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I've worked under some piss poor leadership Mm -hmm. (laughs) in Mm -hmm. my day. Mm -hmm. And um, your staff morale being low is not a good thing, leaders. It really isn't. Um, You ignoring your staff morale being low is not good either. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, we have heard of things such as HR is in bed with management. So Mm -hmm. when people go to complain, it just gets sent to the person they're complaining about. Now they're getting... A worse uh, a worse off- response, <laughs> then <than, laughs> it's not good, and um, it yeah. needs to be checked. Um yeah, there's an organization called Workplace Bullying Institute that, wow. um, oh my gosh, what's their names? Dr. Namey, it's a husband and wife, Ruth and Gary mm-hmm. Namey, and they are excellent in their research. They have devoted like the last, I don't know, decades to just researching and to and, and setting up leadership camps everywhere to help mm-hmm. in America because um, workplace bullying is just really drastic. Um, mm-hmm. And sometimes the stories I hear, I'm in like mom groups and things that I'm just appalled at how leaders act, how they behave. Mm-hmm. It's like, mm-hmm. that is not right. And while we mm-hmm. fight for children and domestic violence. And people don't realize people are being really tortured at work Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. by people who have the upper hand and people need their jobs. And, you know, it it just, it it doesn't, it's not just the person that's youthful and working at the fast food restaurant whose boss Mm -hmm. is throwing fries at them. No, this can happen in, I mean, we just had the Me Too movement, so we know how- far abuse can go. But um, just on the emotional level, Mm -hmm. you have leaders that really take advantage and do some foul things. And Mm -hmm. um, business owners, companies need to work on um, helping with that.
1: What would you say? So we recognize that poor leadership will destroy an organization who are some role models who have impacted you um, as a leader or you would identify as an example of good leadership?
2: My mom is my number one um, (laughs) because just her different levels of life, I was able, I had a young mother. She was 19 when she had me. So we kind of like grew up side by side and i got to really watch her grow in her own life but as well in her career and um i listened a lot of how she was that empathetic compassionate leader she you know i say i come from the projects i i, I had my first years in the projects with my mother being a teenage mom and my dad you know being so young but um She comes from a really well-to-do family. And so she was going to get back to where she needed to get but I always noticed her skills and how the people that worked under her loved her, adored her. I mean, you know, even when we went through like my teenage years where I'm like, I hate you. (laughs) At least her employees were like, we love her. She's the best, you know, and then she would have that, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but no, she just always, um, she was good at teaching me how to treat people. Um, I come from an entrepreneurial family. So I saw my I worked with my grandfather in flea markets and things and mm-hmm. he was a tough leader. He scared me. <laughs> but he was still um a good person. He still mm-hmm. was good to people. Um, mm-hmm. You know, some of his staff long after the business closed was his family. You know, I mean, you're building things with people. Yes, these companies can get to 100, you know, levels. and But that's those are your those are the people that's even the bottom line. The bottom line is the most important line. I mean, right. Right. you should care for them. So my mother's one, another great leader that's huge in the world is Oprah Winfrey. I really, mm. really took to her. Um, I didn't work for her. So I don't know if she was yelling at people and biting them in the background. I hope not. <laughs> they say don't meet your heroes. But um,
0: <laughs> she yeah. was
2: definitely um, on screen, a big, big help mm-hmm. in teaching me how to heal.
0: hmm
2: and, mm-hmm. and and that it was okay to not want to receive dysfunction or mm-hmm. live in it. And um, mm-hmm. that was really important. Um,
0: yeah.
2: that, I was 13, 12, you know, and, and she's the first person that I heard say, you know, uh, talk about sex abuse. And and, mm-hmm. and it was like, oh, other this happens? Doug? Okay. Yeah. Oh, we can talk about, oh, 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 who's this? Auntie Yama? She's mm-hmm. going to... And so, yeah, I I started early. I'm, I'm a reader, and I just started reading a lot of books. I was always interested in leadership before I even understood what it was. I was put in, like, these positions in high school and things, but I didn't understand that it was a leader because I always thought leadership meant you manage people or you're a CEO or you have to make a lot of money. And, you know, now... I understand, no, I'm a leader in my household. I'm, I'm managing mm-hmm. three children and a husband, and a minute ago it was a dog. So like, <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. the, you have to, um, and if I was in here kicking the dog and beating the kids, and, <laughs> and it would go bad. Yeah. It, it, it wouldn't be healthy environment And.
1: Yeah, what I'm hearing you say is is integrity, right? So Integrity's a big one. Whoever however you are on the platform, are you that same person behind the scenes? And how you begin to treat people, recognizing that your power isn't about dominating people actually empowering others, having them tap into their success so that they are able to potentially go even farther than you have gone. That's true leadership. Yes. Thank you. And so I'm curious about what what is your why in helping others um, and helping them actually see their success happen?
2: In short, the Lord himself is my why, Um, because I am so grateful that I'm not as crazy as I could be. (laughs) 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 I... I'm like, you saved me. Why? And the why was because I have work for you to do and I'm going to use your heart and I'm going to use your forgiven spirit. And I'm going to use all the things that told you for years was weak, was mm-hmm. not something to put in the forefront. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to use that to gather more of my sheep and you're going to help. And mm-hmm. I, I you know, I didn't know what a servant ministry looked like. I didn't. I, I, I wasn't. I, I just was like, OK, Um, how do I do that? And and there was levels to it. Um, But, yeah, my why is, is like, a, again, variations of a why. That's one why was answering my calling because that's what I believed I was doing. The other why, as far as advocacy and activism, came from my own trauma, came from the little girl within that I was like, I got you, sister. We're about to Mm -hmm. go out here and let people know that this is real and um, we're not going to let them get away with it. And so Mm -hmm. who do we have to write? Oh, I have to get to know the senator. Okay, I have to get to know Congress. I'm terrified. But I have this little girl in me and she's like, listen, we've been too quiet for too long. And so the big me is like, yeah, I got it. I got it. We're going to do this. And then I'm blessed with these girls. And then Mm -hmm. I'm seeing patterns and how things, you know, I'm I'm a Christian woman. I believe in generational curses. And I saw things that can go down the line. And I said, no, 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 not over here. So I used my own personal life experiences to just say I got a why. I I got yeah. a big why. Let's let's yeah. let's do it. Remove the shackles, remove the fear, give me more courage, whatever I need to do, whoever I need to go up against. Just have my back, please cuz this mm-hmm. is big. <laughs> Especially when you're dealing with politics. (laughs) Right.
1: But the most powerful whys are the whys that are bigger than ourselves. Mm. If you're pursuing a purpose that's only going to benefit you, then it probably actually isn't purpose. It's probably more pride. But when we're talking about actually leading in your why, in your purpose, and as you've already said, in your gift at recognizing that what is being placed in front of you is actually a gift, not an obligation. We can polish our lenses to see things differently. And then when you recognize what you're holding is a gift, you treat the people who are that as a gift mm-hmm. and and recognize that um, I... We've talked about in the past how trauma can become transgenerational, right? And so if something is held as shame and secretive, Mm -hmm. then it has the opportunity to fester, multiply, and grow. But I feel like your um, 501c3 is an opportunity, as you share, to break those cycles, to create empowerment and voice. Can you tell us a little bit more about We Get to Give?
2: Sure. So my mission for We Get to Give is listening to and empowering Black girls. And um, ages 9 to 19, to be the best versions of themselves and highlighting self-worth values and we provide workshops and resources to help them navigate. Um, mm-hmm. The listening part was important. It was the greatest yeah. thing I learned in school, in therapy, was the privilege of having someone listen to you.
1: How often do young people actually feel like they're being heard?
2: They don't.
1: I feel like it's so rare. Mm. I I think discounted, dismissed, shut down, but actually, her. If you were to give advice to a leader, to adults, advocates, how do we listen to young people? What does that look like?
2: Yes, we have wisdom. Yes, we have been through things and we have so much that we wanna give back. And there's things that they don't know because they are nine, 10, 11, 12, 15, 16, and they think they know everything, but there's something that we do know about ourselves and that's ourselves. Even in all of the evolution of yourself and growth, you still know who you are. You still know your story. And these children are little humans, are little, they're many us because they're eight today. In 10 years, they're 18, you know, they're they're, they're like, I'm adult and I'm leaving and I'm grown. I was one of those and I was not grown. And my mother used to say, oh, I needed to finish raising you. And I used to get upset because like, how dare you? I, I raised myself and. By thirty, I was like, oh, you should have finished raising me." Yes. <laughs> you see all these mistakes more, me? I made. Some more time, <laughs> right? Right. And that's you know that that's that's wisdom as you get older, you'll learn. But as an adult, I listen to children. I let my children have free speech. I'm definitely you know joked upon in mm-hmm. some of my circles, and oh, you're raising your kids. They say what they want, and they they have voices. And it is within reason, and I'm still that African-American mom that will, the <laughs> them. Know, and they will, you know, and the, sorry, mom, you know, yeah, mm-hmm. but um, freedom of speech is big in my house. I do have a journalism background, like, you get it out, get it out. Mm-hmm. Listening to children get it out in the manner that they know how to get it out is difficult for a lot of adults. It's amazing how stagnated adults can be, how, you know, uptight we can be in what Mm -hmm. we believe to be right from tradition, Mm -hmm. a right way for children to look, a right way for them to behave or, you know, how dare they go outside with uh, the bonnet. And (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I won't get into it, but the bottom line is I'm about developing free people and in order to develop critical thinkers and people that are going to make decisions and lead us when we're in the senior homes, because I do a lot of work with seniors too. And do you, do you really want to leave them in the hands of just being these robots that you train that are really very hurt and angry because they've been shut down, they haven't been listened to, um, and they're just doing what they were, it's an assembly line, Um, Mm -hmm. We're seeing that that assembly line of humans is not working. We -hmm. can't pretend to be a democracy and not give these little people voices when they see everything that's going on. They see us.
1: Yeah. And you know what the powerful thing that in many circles that um, when I'm talking with educators or leaders that resonates with me with what you just shared, is that they're seeing it, but their brain is not fully developed until after almost 30 years old. So although they are seeing it, they may not be processing it properly. And so when they see it, they internalize it. If we don't give them space to say it back out, they will create their own narrative that is probably going to be wrong unless it is placed out in front of someone who has access to their full cortex to help them process what they're thinking. Like, what story did you write about what you just saw? Mm. What story did you write about what that person just said? Put it out here so that we, we are able to talk about it going back to what you said earlier, if I haven't dealt with my own triggers, then when it's put out in front of me, I'm so triggered, I mm-hmm. can't stay in my cortex to have a real, authentic, non-shaming or non-judgmental conversation, which yes. is what they need. They need space, mm-hmm. to be honest, without judgment. Woo! This conversation, I tell yeah, you what, yeah, that I can't gave believe me believe.
2: chills, Doctor Virgil. That gave me chills just now <laughs> because it's just truth in essence. I, I yeah, that you put yeah. it very eloquently. Yeah. Um, you so
1: I, we only have about um, three minutes left before our episode is done. I would love for you to one first give us the website to be able to follow you and the 501c3. So how can people follow you, stay connected to the work that you're doing?
2: Thank you. Yes, we need volunteers. (laughs) We get to the number two give.org is... Our organization. Um, I'm on Twitter, new on Twitter. I'm trying to navigate the social media thing, and I'm on Instagram um, at we get to give. So W-E-G-E-T, the number two, give. And um yeah, that that was something that was just put on my heart. And I was like, yeah, we get, we get to give, you know, like, and yeah. we get to give like that's that's yeah yeah. it's so um, I love
1: that play on words mm
2: -hmm. that we get
1: to give and we get in order to give I love that I love that Um, I love
2: to play with words too
1: (laughs) yes I love that so in closing we've got about two minutes someone a parent a leader is sitting and they're listening um what closing encouragement would you give them as we are coming out of the hardest part of COVID the pandemic we're still feeling parts of it but we're coming out of the hardest areas of it and they're feeling discouraged
2: mm.
1: what would you what would you share with them encourage encouragement, inspiration, insight?
2: First, I would say you're doing a great job. You're doing the absolutely best that you know how to do with what you have. So I'm a big advocate of self care. Be good to you, first and foremost, mm-hmm. as a leader, especially as a parent. And with that, open yourself up to growth to change to continuous learning it is okay to read books till you take your last breath it is okay to have accountability partners it is okay to step outside of the church and get therapy um have your reverend or pastor call me and i will break it down um Yeah. And and listen to your children, listen to them, like really let them know that you see them, you want to hear them. And that might have to come with some training and some help because kids can be ruthless when you open up that door. (laughs) Yes. Yes. As kind as I am, my parents will tell me some of my kids will say, you know, you're not all that. And I'm like, ah! <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes. That's fantastic. Tell me so, and they're like, Mm-mm. and that's natural too. Listen, your kids—they'll—they'll mm-hmm. they'll crucify you a bit sometimes. Um, they're—they're—they're they're, they're children. Yeah. They're, they're emotional. Yeah. their Front lobal is not developed. <laughs> yeah.
1: Let but them be children. Them I be so children. appreciate you. I appreciate your encouragement, your insight, your words. Um, and I hope leaders around the globe who are listening to this recognize um, that they are influencing others. They have an obligation, as you said, to heal and to grow um, because our children are listening um, and desire to be heard. Ah, Shaniqua, thank you. Thank so you. Thank you. For sharing and for those of you um, who are following Living Strong, check out our website again, livingstrongllc.com. And we will be back here, same time, same place next week. Thanks for so much for listening. Bye.
0: Thank you for tuning in to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. Please join your host, Dr. Virda Jackson, for another edition of our show next Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a great week.